Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and we have a really fun episode for you. We're talking FC Cincinnati news and discussing whether or not it's a good idea that we will all be maybe paying for Messi's salary here in just a little bit. But the headline here, Mike Watts joins the pod again, just an expert in all things USL and NWSL always a good conversation when he is on the pod as those two seasons get underway we wrap it up with a miami prediction and that's going to be your cincy postcast And joining me to talk about all of that and more, we've got the Chief still across the pond, and we've got Grayson also on assignment. What the heck is going on with the postcast these days? Grayson, where I don't know if you are even allowed to reveal your location, but where where might the people be finding you this week? Uh I did reveal my location on Twitter. I am in oh, okay. <laughs> I am in our I am in our nation's capital, uh in the uh Marriott Marquis by the Washington DC convention center. Um, nice. It's a nice place. I'm on the 12th floor. So I get, you know, a nice view. It's a nice How day. many, uh, how many buildings have you stormed? Is that, I hear that's all the rage. I was about, to, still doing no, I was about to say you're about, about 812 days late for the party. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the Trump indictments to drop. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Well, so low key, I'm I I really if it's gonna happen, I want it to happen when I'm over here. So now I'm in London. I'm now I can see uh, Stamford Bridge from where my hotel is, which is fucking phenomenal. But if the Trump indictments are going to happen, I want them to happen when I'm over here because I'm desperate to watch the overseas news coverage to see what they think <laughs> of the constitutional crisis and nonsense that we're all enjoying. Um, as a result of all this. So yeah, did, come on. The, we got um, three or four more days. We can make this happen. <laughs> so I did the uh I did the Inca Trail in December twenty fifteen. He was elected in twenty sixteen, right? Yes. Yeah. And I was like a bunch of Australians uh with me. And <laughs> you know, they they were just they were just eternally curious about about Donald Trump. And, you know, I was extremely confident. I was like, I was like, he's just he's just playing around. <laughs> like this is this isn't gonna happen. I've told my I've told my 2016 election story on this podcast before, right? Like I went up to Columbus for USA Mexico with a yeah. certain member of the local Cincinnati media that covers the Bengals. We scored AO tickets thanks to your good friend and my good friend, Chris White from the pride. And it was like the Friday after the election and just everyone was in a bad place and we're playing Mexico and they lose in Columbus. It's the dose Cero doesn't happen. And there's just this stunned silence in the crowd at the full crowd at the full-time whistle. And from like five rows back, I just hear someone yell, man, it's been a rough week for America. <laughs> and then somebody else started chanting build that wall and a guy that was dressed like apollo creed with like the full boxing trunks jumped a row to start beating the shit out of this guy and i was like we just need to go because this is not 
a happy place to be right now. <laughs> yeah, there, was, there was there was kind of weird energy at the, I mean not not most of the game, but like there were a couple of people at the U.S. Mexico game in Cincinnati trying to get a "Let's Go Brandon" chant starting because that yeah that had that whole thing had just dropped. Maybe they were just maybe they were just mad that Brandon Vasquez didn't make the team. I can respect that as a take. I think. But he was, yeah. He wasn't like that nope. was before he like <laughs> blew that up. Was before he scoring. Like, blew <laughs> so they were they were just ahead of the curve, man. I don't see what the problem is. I mean, what he had finished the 2021 season strong, right? He had scored right. like seven games, nine high. games. Yeah, <laughs> he did. I don't know if that was national team worthy right then and there, but hey, I respect the take. No, but we're we're good. We we've migrated from down from the last I spoke to you guys. I was in Ireland. I went to Edinburgh. Uh, and that was absolutely lovely. I think I want to move there. Ate a bunch of haggis. Nice. And uh, yeah, now I'm down in London, which is, you know, it's like New York, but everybody has a funny accent. And um, <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, miss you guys in Cincinnati. Love y'all. Um, oh. I miss my skyline chili. Uh, fun fact, too, though. Um, the reason why I tried haggis when I was in Scotland is I have a friend of mine who is a more worldly individual than I. And we were discussing going to Scotland. He's like, when you go there, you have to get haggis. And I said, I don't want to do that. I know what's in haggis. That sounds disgusting. He's like, you eat getta for breakfast everywhere it's being served. Haggis is just Scottish getta. And if if you were describing getta to someone, like, oh, you got to try this when you're in Cincinnati. And they're like, what's in it? Um, It's pork intestines cut with oats, and then they deep fry it. People would say, oh, that's disgusting. How do you eat that? And your response would be, Oh no, you just got to try it. It's really good. It goes great with, with everything. And yeah, that's haggis and it's delicious and I can't recommend it enough. And, uh, I, I already am looking forward to the next time I can have some. When I, when I was in Edinburgh, uh, about five years back, I, uh, I had some haggis. Oh, I ordered haggis and the waitress at the, um, it was like a, it was like a it was like a pub and whiskey bar, like they all like they all are. Um she yeah. she just kind of like stopped. She was like, she's like, Are you sure? <laughs> she was like, Do you know, do you know, do you know what it is? I was like, I know what it is, just bring it. <laughs> like <laughs> let me partake in your culture, please. <laughs> but my my rule everywhere is if people eat it as food, like at any like it's, substantial it's- level, it's edible and I can eat it. Yeah. yeah. And you just, the, the important thing is you just order it and you make no substitutions whatsoever. Just serve it to me as you would serve someone around here. They obviously eat it for a reason. It can't be terrible. Like maybe there is something where I'm going to finally get burned on that. But thus far in my life, ordering whatever the local cuisine is, it's always been fine. That's why I get all pissed off at people that get all high and mighty about skylines. Like, oh, do you know that's like diarrhea in a can? No, it's not. It's delicious. If it wasn't delicious, there wouldn't be 60 fucking franchises within a 10 square mile radius of downtown Cincinnati. It's good. Whenever you go somewhere, eat what's local, eat like a local. That's that's rule number one in life completely. So they do try to like trick you in some some touristy places. So like when I was in when I was in like uh, Thailand, Cambodia, um, it's, you, you see that you see crickets in a lot of places and crickets are like, that's, that's a thing people eat. And they're actually like, they're fine. It's like eating like, like, uh, like peanut skins. Yeah. You know, like just like salty and crunchy. Um, 
but in like the really high touristy areas, they'll also like walk out with like scorpions. And right, like right. I wasn't seeing any locals eating scorpions. <laughs> <laughs> well, hamming it up a little bit, seeing what right. they can get them to the tourists to eat. Yeah. I I respect the hustle a little bit. I've also heard Thailand yeah. is notorious for having uh, a a price written in English and another price written in Thai for, for the locals. <laughs> the best the best thing I saw at a restaurant is it was in Cambodia. <laughs> There was like a sign and like everybody has like the sign with like the specials. They're written in English. It's like you get the local rice dish and it's four dollars or whatever. This place also took pains to write no dog, no rat. <laughs> I, like, I hadn't been thinking about it before, but now I'm kind of wondering if there's dog or rat in this. And I'm also, no, 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 no. I'm no, also I'm worried about all the animals you didn't name. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also worried about the other places that didn't write no dog, no rat. No, no, I'm worried. If you say no dog, no rat, you're leaving a lot of options on the table for shit. I don't want to eat, but you're not disclaiming immediately. There's definitely (laughs) raccoon dog in it. (laughs) Pangolin or bad cat. Like, like you're serving me horse, man. Just admit it. (laughs) Man, they eat horse in Iceland. Horse is probably fine. Yeah. Or like, this is badger meat. There was a XKCD that was about that, which is if I were a marketer, I would have my product say like now without cyanide. And you're like, all right, now I have to assume all of their competitors are using cyanide somewhere in their recipes. 99% less cat than the leading competitor. It's like, wait, what? (laughs) Right. (laughs) That that, that made me think of just like if they did like a millennial version of like Johnny Cash and it was like, if I were a marketer. (laughs) oh gosh uh well (laughs) with with that should we talk about a a relatively eventful week of fc cincinnati news there were a couple of items that came up i think we can touch on this one very quickly but uh wabodo's yellow card stands there was hope i would even say expectation that the league or pro would have rescinded that yellow card as he literally did not touch a player nor was that a particularly dangerous play uh they have rescinded yellow cards all their own but it doesn't look like fcc appealed and it doesn't look like that came off anyway uh chief were you as surprised uh as i was to learn that that was his first yellow card on the season though Wobodo? no yeah. i wasn't that surprised i wasn't surprised that it was his first yellow like it seems like he's been very good at avoiding fouls since that first two months of the season, like we commented on the past. And Grayson, you're the MLS rules expert that doesn't watch MLS. They only get a limited number of appeals on the season for reds. Does that count for yellows as well? So I think that you get, and you know, people should, people should look this up, but my, my, my understanding and, and recollection is you get two unsuccessful appeals um, for the season. So, um, I think if you're successful, you can still, um, I think you keep the two, Okay. but you know, I mean, I could see them, I could see them making the calculation, like just not worth it. He's only, he's only got one yellow. Yeah. Like it looks pretty clear, but is it worth potentially burning when 
there's no real consequences of this one yellow yet. And he still has the potential to do, you know, go five games without a yellow and drop it off. He still, you know, maybe won't get um, five yellows. He's been pretty good at avoiding right. them. And you think procedurally did avoid it uh, right. this game. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those things too, where it's the penalty for being wrong is so high that it's yeah. probably just not even worth it. It's kind of like on like an NFL game where challenging, you know, you think that you got five yards on a first down play. They spot you two and a half yards and you're like, well, right. I got cheated out of over half the yardage. It's like, yeah, on principle, you're right. And you should win that challenge, but you only get so many of them. And the penalty for the ref going to the monitor and saying, well, I can't clearly and conclusively see that you're right. So the call on the field has to stand. It's just not worth it for something like this. And Wilbodo has been so good since yeah. that first run of matches about playing clean uh, defense that I, I just, I agree. It's he got hosed with the call, but it's just not worth the risk. I don't think and I, I'm sure that's what the team's calculus was on this. Yeah. It's also probably not a huge consideration or concern, but the teams do need to put up like $20,000 or something with those challenges as well. So it just adds who gets it if they're wrong great question i hope the center referee does whatever game <laughs> they're, awesome. <laughs> they're all going to put up 20 million dollars for for messi so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which honestly we we should probably touch on this i i am convinced that this all stems from well here, here before you do it before you do please. it level set it level set okay. it okay it's, okay the the report came out this week that Messi's people are still in contact with MLS, that there is hope that a deal is going to be done. But the dollar figure is so astronomical, apparently, of what Messi wants to come play in the United States, that it is reported from pretty reliable sources that an idea was floated among the MLS Board of Governors that every team would chip in to pay Messi's salary and then Messi would be allowed to select whatever team he wants to play for. So you could end up with a situation where Messi's wage bill for the year in MLS is just throw a number out there, $50 million or $60 million. And what that would be would be divided between every team at MLS, even though only one team will get his services on the idea that it will so raise the profile of the league internationally that it's worth it. For all these teams to chip in and pay a player to play against their team. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Kevin, you sounded like you had a take on this. So you can lead off on it, I guess. Yeah. So that is that that is basically the story that's going around. I am not sure how much I buy that as it originated with a Spanish source. At least I first saw it with a Spanish source that seemed to misunderstand how MLS worked generally like there were a number of missed things that just even a, a somewhat casual fan of the league would have recognized like I, th I think Grayson you even pointed this out that one of the things they mentioned was Messi can't be bought by any team because he does he's he exceeds the salary cap and that's just not true in MLS any team could in theory afford them it's just as much as their billionaire owner wants to put up for him um I'm also like what they are saying is also almost necessarily true of anything MLS does with the single entity. Like when Zlatan signs with LA Galaxy, 
yes, LA's owners are paying for that, but through shared revenue, all of the MLS owners are helping contribute to the platform that Zlatan is getting and allowing Zlatan to then get an ownership stake in another club that the the LA Galaxy owned. And how much of that is the collective of MLS owners and whatnot? I I do want to say, I'll throw my opinion out there. If it is just straight up FCC's paying for part of his salary to play against us, that's bullshit and I hate it. But I'm not actually sure if I can differentiate that between that and Messi becomes the global face of target brands and he gets a a larger percentage of the league's revenue of target sponsorship. That's functionally the same thing. But like one of them is more appealing or or I sh- I should say one is more tolerable than the other. So I, I, I want to point out a couple of things. One is like, yeah, like Messi can write his own check. And the European people who are talking or you know, Euro snobs, let's say, who are um scoffing at MLS potentially based on, you know, I, I'm reports I'm very skeptical of um, who are scoffing at MLS potentially doing this, like the other teams paying Messi to play for their competitor. Yeah. It's not, it's not obviously better to me that like this, you know, evil dictatorship is like currently paying his salary <laughs> like, right or i don't um, know or who like, owns like the team ronaldo to, plays for right oh so if he went yeah if he went to newcastle and like saudi arabia is now paying him like that's like more that's fine pure and serious than mls doing it however they do it i mean the fact is that like mls pays you yakubo to play for fc cincinnati because it's a single entity but the other thing is um, aside from the the fact that the Spanish report that this seems to originate in had a number of obvious errors to anybody who follows MLS, um, we're supposed to believe that Kansas City <laughs> could have figured out a deal where they could get Ronaldo. Yeah. But Miami can't figure out something where they can afford Messi. I mean, I could see like Messi being more expensive than Ronaldo, but like not so much, much more expensive that Kansas city could. And, and I was skeptical of the Kansas city Ronaldo report. I think it was the league league journalists kind of gassing the league up a bit, Yeah, but you can't reconcile that. Is you can't it reconcile that, that Kansas no. city had a deal yeah. they could do and Miami just can't make messy work. So I'm going to go and play devil's advocate of this. I think Kevin, you're probably right on this, that, there is probably a misunderstanding of what is being proposed. And to a certain extent, like you said, anything that takes away money that otherwise would have gone to everyone in the league theoretically means everybody is paying Messi's salary. So I'm going to bet that there has probably been ideas floated out there that Miami can sign Messi or whoever can sign Messi. But Instead of engaging in revenue sharing for his jersey sales, Miami gets to keep all of the jersey sales for Messi in order to defray the astronomical costs that they're going to have to pay to bring him to MLS or something like that, where 
is does that mean that FC Cincinnati is paying his salary? Yeah, because they're accepting a reduced share of money that otherwise would have been sh- shared. But in a lot of ways, it's kind of like when um, it's kind of like when people propose uh, this tax increment financing stuff, where it's like, how are they paying for something? They're paying for it uh, with tax money, but it's tax money that that wouldn't have been earned other than the fact that this thing was being built. So it's like, yeah. They're paying for it out of Messi's jersey sales, but you wouldn't have sold a billion Messi jerseys if he didn't play for Inter Miami. So it's found money to everyone. So I'm guessing there's probably some of that type of horse shit going on. But um, but yeah, like, and then that gets reported of oh, everyone's gonna be paying his salary. But no, I I would be shocked if there isn't some sort of financial uh, voodoo to make this deal happen when it does happen. Yeah, you either give Messi a percentage of your 31st, 32nd franchise or a percentage of those franchise fees go directly to him or Miami to offset the cost, whatever the case is. And yeah, that's all money out of the collective and therefore everybody chipped in to buy him. Also, the EPL uh, collectively bargains their broadcast rights, so all of their revenue outside of the gate is also collective, so... I don't know. It's kind of annoying that way anyway. Um, and then two things real quick on the uh, the FCC player contract front. If you, hear Lu- anything, if you hear anything, I'm recording in a hotel room right now, and Mrs. Chief is blow-drying her hair. So that's just what you're hearing <laughs> in the background right here. We really get the uh, the the vacation experience here with you. <laughs> no, uh, Lucho's contract, as first reported by The Post, is being discussed only now formally so i assume everybody wears a bow tie when they talk to each other now uh whereas before they might have been in t-shirts and we have reports out there that there is interest in brandon vasquez as if we were supposed to be surprised by this but at least we have a name attached to it uh borussia muchin uh gladback the uh bundesliga team apparently Yes, apparently their their sporting director came out to watch him. I don't know if that's in Cincinnati or one of the road games or even the national team game uh, that he appeared in, but we've got interest. So uh, let me ask you you both quickly, Chief, uh, both these guys on the roster starting next year? Lucho, yes. Vasquez, no. Grayson, same um, question. There's been no, way, we're too, too, much lane. Smoke, too much smoke. Too much okay. smoke. Too much smoke. Vasquez. Grayson, same question. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Um, and actually, there are some there there are some additional reports where I think Sky is now saying Gladback wants to sign Brandon Vasquez. Um, I haven't done the forensics to like trace back to like is this just going back to, you know, the sporting director coming over, but I think the sporting, the sporting director himself coming over, like, I don't think Chris Albright's flying overseas to watch a player unless there's serious interest. Yeah. But um, maybe he just wants to try, maybe he just wants to try, maybe he just wants to try Skyline Chili. Who knows? Yeah. yeah maybe. <laughs> but, but I think, I think, I think Brandon, um, I think Brandon's going to go this year. I think it's going to be tough to replace him because of his, you know, salary and roster spot. Um, But, you know, we got, we have depths and as long as we keep Lucho, I think we'll be productive. The defense is better this year. Um, So, 
And I, Lukaku I, is probably going to score a lot of goals for us next year anyway. So we'll be that's fine. true. There you go. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll just caveat. I do not think Brandon Vasquez goes in the summer window. I think he goes in the January window. I think they hold think, on to him until the. I until think it's January. very possible they do a deal for him in the summer, but keep him the rest of the season. Do the old sign. Yeah, load. that that would count too. Either way, he will be on the roster uh, for us in MLS Cup. I predict that. Hey, I'll take that. Um, so that does it for the news. Uh, now we've got dear friend of the pod, Mike Watts, uh, joined us. Not on the Apple TV deal, which was sad to to see as there's, that new was, news was slowly trickling in over the uh, the offseason. Uh, but he is still the lead man for USL and he's on NWSL matches. So we talked to him about non-MLS American soccer, what to look for and uh, previewing those seasons ahead. So I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Mike is always a good hang. And uh, on the other side, we will very quickly predict uh, our Miami match here this weekend. Uh, joining us on the postcast is great friend of the pod, Mike Watts. Mike's second appearance on the post. Mike, how you doing tonight? I'm great. What does it take for me to get the five timers club like on Saturday Night Live? And oh, can gosh. I get there faster than Schwai? I don't Ooh, know. Schwai really did a good job at his first. He did a good job on his first appearance. I don't know. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to evaluate after this interview. I think and see where we stand. I think the competition I mean, was Pat Brennan, really. Yeah, <laughs> true, true enough. I, I. How about this? Kick Grayson out and Schwai's in. I'm not saying no. It's been discussed. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're always one injury away. Wally Pip is a uh, is a cautionary tale in all professions. <laughs> Sorry, Grayson. Oh gosh, no, uh, Mike. I mean, one. Thank you for for joining us immediately after calling a uh, an open cup match. I mean, you have got to be one of the busiest uh, soccer announcers in the United States. I feel like every time I turn on a, a, a non MLS game, I've got Mike Watts speaking to me. Yeah, yelling at you or whispering in your ear. I mean, <laughs> I, I hit all volumes, but. Um... No, start of the year this year, it, it's the most games I've ever done in the first quarter of a year. And last year I, I did 252 in total. So I'm I'm a little nervous I'm gonna tag that number this year after promising I'd I'd knock it down. But you know, it it's uh it's good to have people call and, and ask you to do games. I'll say that. I also had the I also had the privilege of having Mike Watts uh, repeat the score to me over and over again at Madison Square Garden as Xavier stormed back to beat the DePaul Blue Demons in the Big East tournament this year. So not just limited to calling games on television, also on the public address at the Mecca of hoops. Yeah, that's that's true. And for what it's worth, I saw someone from UConn was like, why does the PA announcer in the arena with a giant scoreboard keep yelling the score at me? And the answer is it's actually like an old timey MSG thing that John Condon used to do that uh, Mike Walshevsky kept. And because he kept it, I've kept it. It's like a garden lore thing from the past. Anytime the score changes or the lead changes, I say the score. It's like alerting you that the lead has changed. There you go. So it's a very competitive game. Yeah. So what you got to say to somebody like that is, oh, guess you don't know ball. Mm, all don't lie. <laughs> I didn't know that he was the arena announcer at McDonough Gymnasium. 
Mecca. The, the Mecca. Mecca. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, I God. got what you're throwing down. I just didn't want to give it to you. Yeah. You got to know. Every so often, you got to no sell it. It's really important. <laughs> oh, God. So. Mike, we figured of of all of the people that we know and could bring on this show, you are probably the most equipped to give us uh, and and our couple of dozen listeners here um, the best look at. I, I guess we can start here with the NWSL, since I, I, you are calling a lot of these games. Um, there's not a supernatural tie-in with an FC Cincinnati team and an NWSL team. There is one. Uh, Oh, please. Brianna Pinto. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Her brother Malik Pinto is on FC Cincinnati. So yep. maybe that's the tie-in. But I, tie I guess what are uh I don't know, what's the top line like storyline this year in NWSL? What's what's the main narrative we're we're looking for this year? Yeah, and obviously there's Rose Lavelle if if you're trying to go the Cincinnati route and not necessarily the FCC affiliated route. I mean, there's a lot of ways to go because you know, this area of Ohio and Indiana and, and Kentucky, like there, there's a ton of players that end up playing at a high level collegiately and, and eventually in the pros. And I always get a kick out of as an Ohioan myself, like making reference to whatever random Ohio's high school they went to is like a deep cut that only other Ohioans get. Um, you know, top line is the literally the top line is completely in question this year standings wise mm. um san diego and angel city so outperformed any previous expansion teams and the way that they came into the league with uh the the audience that they drew but also the style with which they played i think there's been a, a comment laura harvey said it a couple of years ago uh famed coach roel rain and, and spent some time in utah as well before that franchise folded and for those uninitiated, they're coming back next year. No one changes the NWSL. The NWSL changes you stylistically. Like the, the, <laughs> the, the running that's involved, like a lot of coaches have come in here and been like, well, I'm going to be the, the one that revolutionizes this league. And they end up getting, you know, chewed up and spit out on the other side. Um bringing two teams in with this hyper possession based sort of approach at the same time, you literally change the NWSL by bringing in an additional 20% of teams that go about things differently. Um, so that that's kind of been fascinating. It, look, I mean, Portland OL rain had a phenomenal season last year. Um, you know, I, I think those are your four right off the, the bat where, you know, the Pacific time zone is going to be absolutely insane. Um, mm. Can North Carolina be relevant again after um, missing the playoffs last year and all the success they had had? Washington has had all this young talent. Can they figure it out? And then Kansas City went out and had, with the advent of free agency, maybe the best offseason an NWSL team has ever had. By bringing in Dabinia and the changes that they've made in that group, I mean, uh, Kansas City, they're going to be absolutely filthy this year. Like, I can't wait to see how that comes together. Oh, that's no, that that's great. I I always love the NWSL because um, 
it's it's kind of the home league for a lot of the the U.S. women's national team players, but it seems anymore that there are becoming NWSL specific stars that aren't necessarily uh, you know being cap tied uh, by the national team. I'm curious if there's any names that maybe people who are familiar with the U.S. women's national team. Sure, they'll know though. I'm curious who are the the next line of people that we should be keeping tabs on there. Yeah, I mean, there's there's players like Sophia Smith that you know now because when they came into the league, mm. you know, they were on the cusp of the national team. Everyone knew they were a future star, but, you know, the next step was was for her to, like, fully blossom in Portland and then explode into the national team over the last 12 to 18 months. I mean, there, there's a ton of players where, especially with the Women's World Cup coming up in, in New Zealand and Australia this year, um, think back to the, the women's world cup where, you know, crystal Dunn gets left out and ends up being an MVP. Like, right. You know, I, I'm, it, it's, I don't know who it's going to be. I mean, like Christy Mewis <laughs> was the one, um, that, that returned to national team form in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at Kansas city, like Kristen Hamilton got a, a brief cup of coffee in 2019. She's 30 now, but. Now with Dabinia next door, like, does that accentuate in Kansas City, like the ability to get at that level? Um, you know, last year it was Taylor Korniak starting to get national team caps. Um, does she find a way in San Diego to take the next step? And Gurma is a rookie um, taking that step. I mean, you, you can pretty much, you know, look on every team and see one or two players where, you know, if they just explode in the league, Blacko is going to call them in and they're going to get a genuine look. So um, it, it, it's almost a disservice to sit here and be like, yeah, here's three players to watch. Cause there's probably two or three on every team where you're like, okay, if, if they start the, the league season blazing form, do they at least get a look before the women's world cup? Maybe, you know, looking ahead to the next Olympics um, where it's realistic that they get into the next cycle. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Do you think there are spots open? I mean, I, I, I'm not going to put you on the spot here with the women's national team, but yeah. do you think there are spots open for the league uh, standouts to to jump into the roster for the World Cup? Yeah, I, I, I would guess once you get this close, you're probably talking about there's probably a pool of 30 to 35 players that are in that mix right now. And almost all of them are in the league. And most of them, you sit there and go, well, that's a guarantee. Um, You know, anyone (laughs) who's been starting in in She Believes Cup, it's it's not really, I think, a question one way or the other. Um, You know, I think at this point, there's a pretty clear, clear direction. It's just, can one or two players outperform? There's going to be injuries. And then there's just like genuine positional depth questions. You know, where where the right. weaknesses where maybe you can sneak into a, a hybrid role with depth or, um, you know, like outside back had been a question for a number of years. And now it feels like they've got too many. Um, kind of funny <laughs> right. how that that develops once there's suddenly a hole in the national team and people go, hey, wait a minute. You know, can I find my way in there? Yeah. 
What's kind of fun about the league is that as as long as I've been sort of watching the NWSL or had it on my radar, I can't remember the league having this much young, exciting talent playing mm-hmm. in it. The whole sort of genesis of the national uh, NWSL was always like, oh, like Kevin said, you can see the women's national team stars playing here. But then you look at someone like uh, like a Trinity Rodman. And she's only 20 years old and she's the Mm -hmm. highest paid player in the league. So to me, um, it's the young stars that really make this league fun, exciting. And um, from a fan's perspective, now they're going to be in FIFA, too. So I don't think the league has ever been more accessible than it is right now. Well, they're kind of in FIFA. (laughs) (laughs) If you've been been looking at the how the how the the image is translated over to the game. Uh, A little hit and miss. Yeah, a little, little hit and miss. <laughs> okay, um, I haven't, I haven't been on since uh, it went live. Uh, actually, I, I don't own the current uh, edition of FIFA, so I'm actually going to make some phone calls and see if, if that comes with uh, being an announcer. Uh, <laughs> Alyssa Thompson, I think it's, right? It's like, only fair. Draft <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, how can I possibly prepare if I can't play? Uh, with yeah. these players in a video game, um, <laughs> film. Who needs film? Um, like Alyssa Thompson, you're you're bringing in an 18 year old first overall pick, no college. Like, you know, Sophia Smith. You're talking one year, and you know, it's it, the league is becoming more accessible to younger players with the level of talent to get there. And I, I think you look at the advent of MLS Next Pro, right? Like. At the end of the day, you could be 80 college games into your career and be 22, or you could be 100 and whatever, 120 pro games into your career at that time. And if you look overseas, that's the direction that it's going on the women's side. They're finally sort of catching up in terms of putting the correct amount of investment and um, overarching structure that like they're giving opportunities at that age as opposed to having to send, you know, Wendy Renard played in, in the American collegiate system goes on to be, you know, the best defender maybe in the world, but certainly for France, like if, if you're an 18 year old now, wouldn't you just go pro in France? Like right. opening that yeah, door now <laughs> as, yeah, as Mallory Pugh has uh, previously. And like, we're, we're, we're making that turn now to a, um, you know, more copying the way it's been done on the men's side in the past, um, which I think is really exciting for the future of the game and the development of the game. And I think you're just going to keep seeing, you know, higher levels as you've seen on the men's side, just like on the women's side, it's, it's going to keep improving step-by-step with every generation that rolls through. And San Diego just signed a 15 year old. They did. Yeah. And that's after Olivia Moultrie right. had the she like sued uh, the lawsuit. To get in. Yeah. yeah. The lawsuit to get in. Yeah. With, with the Portland thorns and like you see her on the field and you're like, wow. Okay. I see it. They've also protected her and sort of gradually brought her into the league. They didn't throw her in for 20 starts. You know, they brought her in off the bench and worked her in, in the ICC and found ways to develop her. And now she's a really valuable piece to that Portland midfield um, and still not 18 yet. Yeah. It's just absolutely wild seeing that development of the league that 
I mean, and there may still be some questions out there, but the fact that we've gone so many years questioning whether or not a, a women's professional league can even sustain itself year to year to where now, I believe this is the largest the NWSL has ever been with 12 teams, with Kansas City coming back online. Uh, it's a really exciting time to be watching the league. I'm curious if it's if it's obvious from your vantage point, the independent teams versus the teams attached to an MLS team versus the couple of teams attached to a USL team. <laughs> is there anything distinct or obvious between the cultures of those clubs or, or are they totally unique? Yeah, the gap is closing for one. I mean, like if, if you and take all the ancillary um stuff from the Yates report and so on out of the equation and, and look right. purely at the investment, right? Like Houston dash under previous ownership did not appropriately support the players. And there's a reason that a number of players got there and, and ultimately didn't stay. Um, Chicago is dealing with that right now and about to have an ownership change. Washington had been there, went through an ownership change. Now they're playing in an MLS venue every week and drawing better crowds than they ever did at the sportsplex. Um, if you look at Portland, like it, it, it's little things that always impressed me. Same amount of space on that big ad board on the front of the stadium. All right. the trash cans have both logos mm -hmm. on them. Like this isn't the thorns happening to play in the same venue as the timbers. It, in theory, at its best, is a synergy. Um, and oftentimes over the last few years, it's proven that that synergy didn't play out as it was supposed to off the field. But when you give proper investment that way, it shows. So like within an MLS context, you go, okay, the dash didn't get there. And now with new ownership and, and the Dynamo seeing the same kind of level of, of investment being raised, getting better. Portland always viewed it that way and they did it the right way usl like louisville's got a state-of-the-art stadium um you know they've, they've got a state-of-the-art training facility um that they share and that synergy works but if you look at kansas city like that venue isn't a perfect fit for them so they're going to build their own downtown they just built an incredible training facility and you go okay like as an independent club they're doing everything they need to do to be at the same level as the other teams in the league. So everyone's gone about it differently. Um, I don't know that it's like a direct, like independent versus not independent. I think what, what we are seeing is, is the haves and have nots. The have nots are leaving because this league has left them completely in the dust. Mm -hmm. Like they can't keep up anymore. And for the good of the league, you're seeing changes to, better the player experience, which is something that needed to happen for a long time. Because ironically, it's a we saw this in Cincinnati with the USL, and that's that fans respond to things being treated like a bit like it's a big deal. And you've seen that in the NWSL with how San Diego came onto the scene and immediately started breaking attendance records. And mm -hmm. when you treat the product like it's important from day one, Fans respond and treat it like it's important because you're showing that as well. And it's good that we're seeing that away because you'd like I'm originally from D.C. 
and you'd watch these spirit games. They were being played at a high school and you knew that there was better venues available for them to play in and simply moving to that better venue and treating the product like it's important and investing in the product. I think it pays dividends for the league and it changes the perception of the league, I would assume, for you as well when you're doing a broadcast and calling a game. It's different when you're showing a game and it's not in professional facilities and the facilities are substandard. You've got to talk over that. But the fans see that and notice that, I think. Yeah, but they also auditorily hear it as well. Like you you can hear a venue that's got, you know, 5,000 people in it and you can hear being at a high school with metal bleachers. Like there's a distinct difference. Like the atmosphere is better. Obviously the visual is better. Think about broadcast angles. Like there are companies who entire job, you know, descriptions are to, to make a stadium um, proper for broadcast. Like right. there are consultants who do that for a living. And I wish some venues had talked to them sooner. Um, <laughs> Cincinnati is built with a certain, you know, level up off the field for their main camera. They've got positions at the 18s. Like, you know, like it's it's more able to handle a, a higher quality broadcast. And so for me, like, you know, the NWSL put a ton of investment. They've been really vocal about increasing investment in broadcast this year because it needs to look legit. Like when people tune in tonight for the Open Cup, and when this comes out, that's uh, I've I've outed that this is being recorded. Um, <laughs> like at the end of the day, like it's awesome because it's the Open Cup, but in other circumstances, you might go, "Hey, it's 300 people at a very small college." Um, you know, like, would you pay money for that? Um, in other circumstances, like that's up to the individual person, but the higher level of fan engagement, the higher level of, of play, like it, it all intertwines. Like I, I couldn't agree more with the conversation you had with Schwai and Brendan O'Brien when they were on that, like the illustration they put out wasn't nippered with, you know, stuff covering the entire upper deck and like 38 fans and like <laughs> yeah, they made it feel big literally from the first drawing they dropped like from from day one they said this is we're going to treat this like a major league team this isn't a charity and like angel city came in and revolutionized how we're going to market women's sports in this country moving forward like i genuinely think they changed the entire narrative yeah And hopefully we get to see that replicated here in Cincinnati in some way, shape or form with an NWSL team or or whatever it looks like. Um, So so until we have that team, I'd just be curious (laughs) if you were going to encourage fans, all dozens of our fans listening to this podcast, that you were going to encourage them to pick a team. Who's a good team to pick that would be like a great gateway drug to following nwsl <laughs> get us hooked <laughs> get us hooked the first hit is yeah. free yeah. <laughs> um hey man my meth is blue um yeah uh say my name i'm heisenberg um look stylistically in terms of the ambiance of the venue uh the history of the club like you want to be a full-on bandwagon fan, man, jump into Portland. Like, that one's not hard. 
Um, stylistically, again, any of those teams in the West, I understand geographically, like, I, I'm just going to leave Louisville out of this conversation because I can't see any of y'all. Any Thank you. <laughs> appreciate like, your discretion there. Yeah. Obviously that's the closest one to you and, and a chance to like support the club that's closest to you. Um, but if, if you're going to pick one geographically, like Kansas city is building an awesome stadium. Uh, they're owned by people that, that genuinely want to build something in KC. They spent money in free agency, went out and got the like, you're guaranteed at least two moments per 90 minutes from Dabinia that make you stick around for the second half and then make you come back for the second game. Like that's, that's the Dabinia is the most exciting player on the planet and she plies her trade in Kansas city. So like I'd say Portland, if, if you want to have it all, I think Kansas city, if you want to grow with something. I, I can get Love behind it. that. Yeah. A new team, quote unquote, new team. I know it's sort of a relaunch of, of what they're doing, but um, no, I can get behind that for sure. Um, to pivot to USL and Louisville a little bit there. Uh, the USL season is just underway at this point. Uh, I'm curious then, uh, again, is, is there a, a big top line narrative here for the USL that uh, the casual MLS fan can can digest and understand where the league is? Yeah. Um, same way LAFC ran away with everything last year, San Antonio ran away with everything in the championship. So mm. you're, you're dealing with this team that unlike LAFC, maybe they're more like um, Philadelphia or Cincinnati. It's a little more viciously efficient in style. It, it maybe comes from, from that a little bit more, maybe, um, you know, it, obviously the level is, is a little bit different. Um, but I mean, they believe in verticality, um everyone hates to play them like every coach even if they're not playing san antonio in a given week like if i ask about san antonio they'll go oh, i hate playing them <laughs> uh, so like can san antonio sustain that I, I think there's your your number one sort of point um I, I think louisville has a chance after breaking all their club records last year to be there again like everything is pointing toward maybe this being as good a team as I remember them ever having um, just started with six points out of six on the road out in California, which arguably is going to be their toughest trip of the year. Um, so got off on the right foot. And then like, it, it, it's interesting out West. I think there's like five teams where I go, Oh, they're all going to be right there. Mm-hmm. Like it, it depends how they coalesce and how quickly, whatever, but like, um, you know, I look at San Diego, I look at, um, Colorado Springs, you know, there, there's a bunch of teams, New Mexico, I think is going to be good this year, all in that pack in the East, like how quick can Birmingham get it right? Tampa Bay changed formations, uh, and lost, um, you know, multiple players to their front line over the off season injury and guys moving Indy went and spent a ton of money, revamped their midfield, revamped up front with Sebastian Guanzati. Pittsburgh did a total makeover um, over the off season. Like, will any of those teams be able to compete with Louisville in the regular season? Then obviously once you get to the playoffs, are they ready to, to knock them off? Yeah. 
speaking of Louisville, I've got to ask about this. I I I, I want to know if you think this is the uh, I don't know a sign of things to come or a one off aberration. Oh. Josh oh. Winder, what is? This is wild that we've got European giants scouting USL for talent. Is yeah. this is this going to be common, do you think, going forward? So first off, when you said I, I've got to ask about Louisville, I thought you were going to ask about GB. I really did. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. <laughs> what did I tell you? At this point. <laughs> yeah, what, what did I tell you last time I was on this podcast? I get an answer. I would send a one-word DM. <laughs> providing the answer and then i i fully expected you to take it to your grave so that's where we're at now perfect, <laughs> nope. perfect. I'll, that'll be between us <laughs> um look the dms is, are open but the dms are sealed so don't worry about that <laughs> look if, if you hack the post uh you're you're gonna sink a lot of boats Sing a lot of ships, including the GB boat. You're, you're gonna sing a lot of boats. Oh gosh. Okay. There, there was a question here. Look, I I do in fact think that the USL will take a bite. i do think um yeah this 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 is 100 the future of it and i think you know the the concept of next pro is to give a place to you know lead to the first team on the mls side um that's more within their control and and more sort of the level is more equivalent across the board if you look at the championship you know Jonathan Gomez went over uh, a couple of years ago from Louisville. Um, yeah. Like he came from Dallas and he wasn't breaking through. Like he just wasn't. And as a young professional, you need to get games. Um, you know, if you look at Winder, he, he came out of the soil in Kentucky, came through that way. Like there's a number of ways to find um, that path overseas. And the thing about the championship more often than not, it's a little easier to negotiate when you're only negotiating with the team. Like that, yeah. that's sort of the overarching message that, that I think has been spoken to this point. Obviously the big money transfers, Tyler Adams and, and McKenzie and, you know, so on and so forth. Like I, I still think when you're talking eight figure fees, they're going to come from MLS at this point in time. Uh, but if you're looking at like, high six figures, low seven figures, it's going to start happening more. MLS, I I had a a guy in DC tell me like Red Bull has a 10 year head start. Of course, they're getting Tyler Adams out of their academy. Philadelphia has a head start on us and and really putting money into this. Of course, they're putting out, you know, great players and they've got that area to work from, but you know, they're sitting there going, if we can cultivate the DMV, and really put our resources and our money behind it, we're going to be putting out guys like Moses Nyman, and now they're appearing. It takes five, six, seven years to really see an academy start to pump guys out, and I think Louisville, Tampa Bay, um, New Mexico's making a genuine effort at it. Uh, I think Orange County could very yeah. easily you know, be the, the team that is going to do it best. Um, they've taken from the Barca Residency Academy down in, in Arizona. They, they're going to move, you know, Kobe Henry, but also uh, Caridi Oshindina and 
a bunch of guys in a short amount of time out of out of Orange County. So this country is too big for there only to be 30 access points to Europe. It's yeah. just too big. And to get pro games at 18 years old against grown men, 17 years old, uh, if you're if you're winder, like, yes, this this needs to be the future of USL for USL to grow um, and for soccer in this country to grow. Like, I, th- I think they go hand in hand. So, and I yeah. think that the, the important thing, too, is that there there are some big, non-insignificant markets in the championship. I mean, you've talking about Tampa Bay or you're talking about um, Detroit, where Detroit, Phoenix, I'm, I, like, like these are enormous yeah. Like enormous metropolitan areas where if these uh, clubs can start academies, you're just by pro- just by sheer demographics and population size, you're going to stumble across kids that can actually play. And if you're looking at it from a perspective of a European club, oh, we can go deal with Detroit City and we don't have to deal with the single entity. Um, mm-hmm. So it might end up being a more attractive place to play for kids where it's like if the goal is to get to Europe as quickly as possible and get scouted by these European teams when they're in their teens and before they actually break through in America and they get scouted on potential alone, there's going to be some opportunities, I think, for some of these clubs if they invest the money up front, which is the big deal, I think. Well, you just yeah. had uh, Nathan Worth from Red Bull Academy signed with FC Tulsa at 16 yep. mm-hmm. years old. Um, and the messaging I kind of saw around that was, well, you can get two years of professional, you know, play and it's an easier path to Europe once you're 18 because you don't have to deal with, you know, the homegrown MLS contract, like politics and with the single entity and USL clubs may be more willing to let you just go, um, for, for less money than like. Red Bulls yeah. will be willing to let their home growths go. Yeah, and I think, you know, the higher level player you are, like he, Tyler Adams, you made him your captain. Like, he, you you want to keep him around. But the other side is, is eventually the number became at a point the player wanted to get overseas. Like, his time came. That time might come a little earlier in the championship than it might elsewhere. Let's also not forget that, like, Junior Flemings can win for big money over to France. Like, yep. you can have a high level, but maybe not MLS level international player who deserves his shot to try and get to that nexus to Europe where you just don't have the roster spots in MLS. And you can come and, and play big minutes in USL, rack up really good numbers and go over that way. Fidel Barajas. Uh, Charleston was epic in the CONCACAF under-17s for Mexico. I- I'm looking at Lee Cohen and Ben Pierman like, guys, your eyes must be money bags right now. Watching <laughs> this kid go, you know, and, and light up the CONCACAF under-17s. Um, right. <laughs> so, like, he's, you know, approaching 18. Like, there's a path for him. You mentioned Tulsa, like, They've got a, a billionaire ownership group in, in the calf in the craft family, rather. And now you've got in in it in your GM a guy who comes in from Phoenix and knows how to build a winner, but also recognizes like the other pathways to develop young talent. So um it it's 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 fascinating right now because I think a lot of teams in the championship are looking around going, wait a minute. We can populate our roster with guys from around our area, develop their talents, and sell them all the while, collecting 
tickets and trying to win championships along the way. Like that sounds very enter- and, you know, enticing. And so if you're Orange County, like you had a bad year last year, you're selling a guy for, you know, half a million or a million dollars and a percentage of his future fee. And you won a championship the year prior and you rebuilt like that. That sounds like a pretty good trade off to me. Yeah. USL teams too live in an interesting in between where it wouldn't take much to pry a player away from them. Well, at the same time, that money probably is, you know, much more valuable to them than to an MLS team. A, you know, a $600,000 injection into Tulsa matters a lot more than a $600,000 injection to FC Cincinnati. That, that could ensure that club staying around for five more years. Yeah. I mean, right off the bat, you can pay half or more than half of your payroll. Right. For, for an entire season off one guy, you know, <laughs> uh, I think for the most part, there's 24 teams. Now I, I don't see any of them in dire straits, right. which is good news. Like, you know, if you think back 10 years, like when Cincinnati came into the league, like Harrisburg city Islanders weren't looking so hot, you know, uh, there was Wilmington the, hammerheads for one year. Right. We got to play Rochester that. rhinos like, oh, oh, dropping right, down right. Rochester, uh, no Vardy party. It turns out <laughs> sad up in Rochester. Um, I'm sure Rebecca will have thoughts. I'm, I, Hey, keep my name out her mouth. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm not going to trial over this. I'm not having it. <laughs> I, I got to ask, just because it's it's interesting to Cincinnati specifically, how are how are our friends up in Detroit doing? How the, how was that transition last year? Um, it, look, what's interesting is is I don't think their budget exploded. Like they came into the league, and I'm sure they spent a little more and and whatever. But you know, for the most part, they they weren't going out and getting a bunch of USL veterans. They basically brought their NISA roster, accented with like Antoine Hopeno and a handful of guys, and said, "All right, we're going to go for this." They stayed healthy for parts of the year. They were completely ravaged in the middle. Um, Trevor James is worth his weight in gold to that franchise. He has done such a good job um, with the resources that he has. And then you get up there and Michigan stars during open cup did a whole thing. Like it was smoky and dark and smelly, (laughs) which I made reference to. Every single Detroit game the rest of the year is not you know, one of these to all of Michigan uh, stars uh, ownership. Um, so actually, I was with Detroit on that. I just thought it was so hilarious that like that 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 press release was beyond comprehension. Um, the support is always epic. The atmosphere is always tremendous, and the players play for that. Like they they genuinely believe in what they're doing. And they get more than the sum of their parts. And, you know, the the good news and the bad news, whether it's San Antonio or Detroit, like they're not interested in trying to keep guys that get higher money offers elsewhere. They're going to replenish. So like Detroit, you know, some guys outperformed and they move on and take money elsewhere and they're just going to, you know, go after it again. And Trevor James will find the next guy. And they, they, they've, since they became a club, always found a way to do that. And the real important question, though, is will their fans be allowed to say fuck on television this year? Uh, w- would you bleep it out if I say no? Uh, <laughs> <certain> words. <laughs> no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I, 
here's the thing like i'm totally on board with like hey no censorship like if we want to put a pro rel sign up like i'm down with all of that man this isn't like we're can we bleep this again yes you yeah. know what actually i'm not saying I'm the sentence wouldn't make sense if we did it this isn't about like making u.s soccer like trying to cleanse it it's genuinely right. a problem with the fcc if you have a problem, it's not with the league. It's with the U.S. federal government. Like, you cannot say that on TV. It, 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 it's, it, that's the problem you're running into. It's not about, you know, us not wanting kids to hear it. Like, it, 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 it's beyond us. Like, some of it is, like, a, a genuine, you know, effort to try and keep the peace, whatever, maybe. I, but, like... To my understanding, it genuinely goes back to you can't put an F bomb in writing in the middle of the screen on ESPN2. Can't do it. <laughs> it seems all I'm hearing is censorship from the man, is all I'm hearing right <laughs> oh now. Oh my God. You know what? Has the man done this to us? <laughs> I'm writing a letter to Joe Biden and the mayor of cincinnati for some reason and i i i, I don't know what the mayor of cincinnati is going to do other than write a, a proclamation but so declare himself to be your daddy go, i think yeah it might go worldwide you never know you never know it could, I believe could he's go been, viral i believe he's been declared to be a jabroni right now so please address it to mayor jabroni <laughs> i man i was heartbroken with with that whole like how the season ended for the Bengals and man seeing the mayor jabroni thing gosh that, <laughs> gosh come on that hurts <laughs> you just it's a, it's it, it just <laughs> it makes me very happy not to get political but just as someone who is very interested in the upward trajectory of his political career that that will be the first thing when you google him for the rest of time <laughs> is travis kelsey calling him a jabroni on national television <laughs> As a oh. as a child of the Attitude Era, being called a jabroni, it, it, it's a scarlet letter. You just got to go away for a while and rebrand. <laughs> um, not to not to go back to the thing we just talked about, but you know that the chairwoman of the FCC is the sister of one of the members of Guster. Really, the man, the that man. is a fun yeah. that is a fun fact that I didn't know as a Guster fan. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> my my wife has made me go to like something like anywhere between like eight and fifteen Guster concerts. <laughs> you and just there's the whole nothing time wrong Googling with that. Them? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad that no matter what's happening in Detroit, that uh, FCC FC Cincinnati is still the villain for them. So I, I don't. Yeah, as far as. As far as their language is concerned, um, that would make her a one man wrecking machine for the fuck word in DCFC. That's a Guster joke. That's all. I, I, I got that one. Right. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, <clears throat> well, Mike, I, I you've been very generous with your time. Um I, I don't want to take any any more of it. You 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 seem to be a a very busy man these days. Um, but I guess you know if this is going to come out, I think we're we've got this two weeks from now. So not this week, but probably what? next week. I know. Like, I know. Like, one one week from now. 
one week from uh, now. Yeah, that's the better way to to phrase. Uh, oh, bummer! Because if you did it in two weeks, we could have made it seem like I was doing it after the Open Cup in the next round. Uh, <laughs> just like it, it, like dub over me first round second round <laughs> you had a we, chance just talking about the game like man what a game <laughs> the, what uh, a game between so, so you call, the peter wilt derby i don't know yeah. if you have your assignment at all but <laughs> uh honestly my assignment is my wife turns 30 on the, the wednesday and i will mm. not be partaking in the open Ooh. cup that week because okay i i know better <laughs> there you go the, the the weird thing man like i'm I'm on the road right now for 11 days straight with the with the ncaa tournament and uh nwsl and usl and nations league and open cup so like she's super there for me but i miss i worked on christmas i'm working on easter for the knicks both times christmas eve i was doing an nfl game for westwood one like Mm. I miss everything. So I'm not missing this for the for the new Kentucky Derby. Uh, I'm not <laughs> Peter Will Derby. I'm not. It's, hey, you know, know your role. Pick up the wins where you can get them. If, if I want to advance to the next round in my marriage. Right. Survive in yeah. advance. Survive in advance. I will be there. I, uh, <laughs> i think you answered my question for i was gonna ask where where can people listen to you next or um maybe apparently ordering a ni- apparently ordering a nice dinner somewhere in the new york right. area with his wife for her 30th <laughs> we'll um, keep an eye out we'll tune in for the nwsl do they have a yeah let's go with they that have a deal you know that- sure yeah uh we are still on uh, uh cbs networks so i think six okay. games in total are gonna air on big cbs uh about 20 on cbs sn and then paramount plus has as the bulk of the games i'll be on cbs sn and paramount plus for that so i've got louisville and houston uh on uh, you know the preceding sunday before this comes out so you can okay. go back and watch it. Uh, <laughs> uh, obviously, the championship is still on ESPN Plus and ESPN Two, so uh, a good number of that. Nations League is on Paramount Plus for the next week. Uh, what am I missing? And I'll be bellowing in the background of the Sweet Sixteen on on TNT. <laughs> okay, <laughs> for that Iowa State, uh, Florida Atlantic barn burner <laughs> uh, i probably don't even have the matchup right michigan state and tennessee are there too i don't know okay well i don't hey, know that's my favorite part now i want to be listening for you as the pa announcer behind the uh, the broadcast as it were so yeah like can we turn brian anderson down for a minute like he, <laughs> right. he's he's already taking so much space yeah we he don't need the play- we don't need the score bug up. We just need the announcer turn up in the background every time there's a lead change. It'll be great. <laughs> Goodness gracious, I'm being thrashed. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't want to, I don't want to belittle our broadcaster here, but I would love an ambiance feed of like just the in stadium mics with the in stadium PA. So if you, <laughs> you have NBA league pass, no, yes, actually, it, it, you you watch at halftime when they just and commercial breaks where they just like do the scoreboard feed with the yeah just the, announcer and then occasionally you can see the halftime show going on down like at the uh on the floor level like oh there's red yeah. panda this must be a fun one <laughs> <laughs> exactly so like when i'm when i'm reading like the new york knicks return to face the minnesota timberwolves like i 
I hope someone at home is like, man, this PA announcer is really on his shit today. <laughs> he is selling the crap out of these next tickets. <laughs> oh, well, if you're there, we'll be listening, Mike. So oh, okay. thank you so much for coming by. <laughs> Guys, appreciate you. Cue the Jim Trace and the Makers. And we're back. And honestly, if there was a way to get Mike Watts to be, love me some Tommy G, but if we could get Mike Watts more involved in the FCC world, I would love it. <laughs> He's just so easy to talk to. Uh, it's always, always fun when he comes on. Dude, and there, it's, it's awesome how much of a resource he is for lower division soccer, for the NWSL. And I want to make yes. a, a genuine advocate for that, those products he is. And it's really cool to see someone who not only calls the games, but actually follows it. You know, he's not, you could tell when you talk to Mike, he's not just a guy that's reading ahead of time. What are the two teams I've got Learn five quick facts? Like he actually knows both the leagues he covers pretty well, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I was really happy to see that because I kind of put him on the spot with a bunch of those questions. And as I asked him, I thought, I don't know how much he actually knows, <laughs> but he, he knows it. And that was fantastic. Um, so that was good. And uh, yeah, I will just say if there was a, a world where Disney was not trying to cut 7,000 jobs within the next couple of months, I could see a world where Disney tried to prop up USL more than it is. And that would be interesting to see what what ESPN might try to do if they were given a soccer property that they were given more control over. Um, well, speaking of Florida-based entertainment, we'll go with that. We've got Miami coming to town, TQL Stadium uh, visiting us. This Miami series has been a blast. I was just running through this. The uh, the match history here, only one time in the seven games that we played, this will be the seventh game, I should say, in the, the six, seven games we played, uh, only one time has a team been held scoreless. That was unfortunately us. And every game but one, more than two goals has been scored. Actually, more than three goals has been scored. This is always a fun, fun game. The last couple of games ended 4-4, 3-1, and 5-1, uh, going 1-1-1 one, one, and one in that. This is, I always think of Montreal as the crazy matchup, but Chief, this is this is a fun one too, yeah? Yeah, a lot of, not, a lot of strange things happen, happen in this series. Even, uh, I think back to those empty stadium games down in Florida. <laughs> back during the uh, the start of the pandemic. Um, yeah, if we're looking at this game, the problem is is that you, you look at those score lines and you think wacky. But most of the FC Cincinnati score lines this year have been decidedly non-wacky. The Chicago game is kind of the outlier, but this team is playing a lot of very low scoring, uh, defensive heavy matches. So if I'm looking at this, they're playing at home. How do I see this game going? 1-0 FC Cincinnati. That appears to be just how we're doing our business this year. I, I think at this point, you'd be pretty hard-pressed to say that we're going to do better than two goals, maybe. So I'm going to say a 1-0 victory, FC Cincinnati. Yeah, Grayson, what uh, thoughts on this one going into it? Yeah, so the only player that we're missing is going to be Kubo, uh, according to the injury report. Miami... Their injury report's not available as of the Josh. time of recording. But last week, they were out like seven guys. Yeah. Um, and I think they're still going to be out a lot of guys. I mean, Gregory is, like I, th I think, out for 
till September. The season or like yeah. close to the whole season. It's, it's like a Matarita type yep. injury absence. Um, he's a really good player. He's really important to how they play in the midfield. Um, and so I think it's going to be very tough for that. Cause if you look at, you know, where we've struggled other than the Chicago game, which I think is like kind of an outlier, you know, Houston gave us a lot of trouble. Houston's got a really strong midfield. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Miami's going to pose the same issue and um, it's a home game for us. So I'm fuck it. I'm going three, nothing. Hey, yeah they they beat Philadelphia two nothing. Uh, they beat right. Montreal two nothing to start the season. Then lost to New York and Toronto. So they're all over the place. Uh, what did they do last week? Yeah, and then lost to Chicago. Which I don't know. Maybe Chicago is actually sneaky good this year. Hard to tell. Uh, I'm in the same boat as you, Grayson. I think we win this one just to give it a different scoreline, three to one. Because uh, why not? I was gonna go three nothing, but. Uh, uh, I don't want to copy you. Um, yeah, I think our guys are, are firing on all cylinders. Uh, last I saw, they still have nine guys out hurt. So I think that is, I think that is that. Gentlemen, I think that's a postcast. I don't know. I definitely don't want to keep our, our two hotel uh, <laughs> hotel guests here uh, waiting. No, so No, uh, Mrs. Chief was just very concerned. She was going to end up on camera. So, no. No. I, no. Perish the thought. <laughs> there is uh there's no video of of this podcast despite no. the hundreds of people clamoring for it um not a single person yeah, dozens and dozens of people <laughs> right. well from this side of the pond to the other side of the pond fuck the crew All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. Or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.